0: Today's episode is sponsored in part by Entree 3D. Are you an entrepreneur looking to make a physical model of an invention that you've sketched up? Maybe you're an engineer looking to small batch manufacture some parts. Maybe you're just a student working on a design project. Or it could be that you're just a hobbyist that has a cool design that you'd love to see mocked up in 3D. Whatever you're working on, Entree 3D printing can help you transform your idea from a napkin sketch all the way to a physical prototype. With over 20 years of 3D CAD experience, Entree 3D can help you make your idea a reality. Visit Entree 3D at wwwentre 3 dcom and let's make something together. That's Entree as an entrepreneur, E-N-T-R-E, 3D.com. Entree 3D is the official 3D printer of the Truth and Justice podcast. So if you have an idea or anything that you want 3D printed, Go to entre 3 dcom and mention the Truth and Justice podcast for a 10% discount on your first order. That's entre 3 dcom and turn that napkin sketch into a reality. and welcome back to Truth and Justice. I'm your host, Bob Ruff, and I want to welcome you back to the Smith County case. I'm now calling it the Smith County case as opposed to the Kenny Snow case because the deeper I dig, the clearer it becomes that this case is about a lot more than just Kenny Snow. It's even about a lot more than just Kenny Snow and Edward Aitz and Carrie Max Cook. The more I find out about the workings of the Smith County justice system, the more apparent it becomes that we, all of us together, need to tear this system down. The criminal justice system in Smith County, Texas needs reform. The conspiracies throughout the Kenny Snow case seem more incredible than any Hollywood movie. The allegations seem impossible. But with the information that I've uncovered in the last week, it's become apparent that these things can happen. And the reason that they can happen in a town like Tyler, Texas, is because the system of checks and balances is broken. Tyler has been described as a small town. But I guess that's a matter of perspective. I live in a small town. A town with a population of around 2,000 people. There's not much crime. It's the kind of place that if your kids get in minor trouble, the cops will just bring them by and let you know what happened and let you deal with it. Tyler, Texas is a city with a population of around 100,000 people. It's a bigger city. It's not New York, it's not Chicago, but I definitely would not describe it as a small town. But at the same time, it has that small town feel. So you have a population large enough and diverse enough that there's a fair amount of crime in Tyler, Texas. One of the people I was trying to get a hold of while I was there was David Dobbs. And when I looked at David Dobbs' website for his new private law firm, it lists his statistics for how many cases he's tried, how many convictions he's obtained, how many murder cases, capital murder cases. And the numbers are staggering for a place that's described as a small town. So it's a place where you have bigger city crime, but a small town judicial system. The county sheriffs over the years, the city police chiefs, prosecutors, assistant prosecutors, judges. They all know each other and they've all worked with each other for years and years and years. Jack Skeen, who's a judge now in Tyler, was working as an assistant DA on Carrie Max Cook's case way back in the eighties, and he's still there. The point of all of this, the point of the small town feel in Rose City, that's what they call Tyler, Rose City or the City of Roses. Apparently there's more roses in the city of Tyler than any other city in the country. At least that's what I'm told. But the point is the conspiracies can happen there. Because there's only a handful of people that have to be involved. And those same people have been involved in other cases like this throughout the years. It's documented. As I mentioned before, there's literally books written about it. Smith County Justice. Chasing Justice. Everyone looks out for everyone else. And as I found when trying to get documents from the Tyler Police Department... They don't like outsiders, and they definitely don't like outsiders that start sticking their nose in their business. And that's too bad, because Smith County is in for a rude awakening. I've learned a lot over the last several weeks, both through talking to witnesses and going through police documents and court files. The amount of information and the amount of different directions that that information takes us is overwhelming. Through Periscope and Twitter, I've been asking my listeners how they would like to see me proceed in this case, because I've been trying to get out as much information as possible, but sometimes it's too much and it gets confusing. So one thing that I was asked to do was to break down clearly and concisely what exactly the story is that we're dealing with. So let me first do that. Part of what makes this confusing is we have a few different timelines. We have the story that Kenny Snow has told us, and then we have the story that the police files tell us. There's a large, I guess I'll call them, cast of characters involved, and I have several listeners right now that are working on putting together some graphics to put up on the website to hopefully make some of these things much more clear, but this is the timeline that Kenny Snow has given us. These are his allegations. He says, first of all, that he did not commit any crimes, and he did not rob anyone. What we know for a fact is that Kenny Snow was arrested on January 30th, 1997. He was arrested for two robberies that had occurred on January 21st, just nine days before that. The first robbery occurred at a place called Bill's Used Tire. That was in Swan, Texas, about 15 minutes north of Tyler's, but still in Smith County. The victim in that first robbery was a guy named Bill Cole, who you're going to hear from today. In this robbery, the assailant entered the building, asked Mr. Cole about some 14-inch tires, When Bill Cole turned around, the assailant sprayed him in the face with mace. Bill fell over some tires. The assailant jumped on top of him, yelled at him not to move, grabbed $167 out of his pocket, got into a car where there was a female waiting, and sped away. That robbery occurred about noon on January 21st. About six hours later, around 7 p.m., a second robbery occurred. This robbery occurred at a place called Ricky Dealer Used Cars in the city of Tyler just about 10 or 15 minutes away. In this robbery, the victim's name was Juan Martinez. According to the police files, Juan's statement to police is that a lone African-American male came into his shop, asked about some tires. Juan told him that they don't sell tires. The man tried to spray him in the face with mace, but it didn't work, and a fight ensued. The assailant was beating him badly, but Juan was fighting back, and then a second black male jumped in to help. The two black males eventually beat Juan Martinez into submission and stole $2,200 from him. In the police reports, Mr. Martinez said the assailants fled in a blue car and that the original robber was cut in the fight and was bleeding. And during the struggle, he was wearing a blue L.A. Dodgers hat that had fallen off his head and was left on the scene. He was also dripping blood on his way out the front door. The Tyler Police Department collected the hat that he was wearing, the can of mace, and the blood sample from the floor into evidence. These were the two crimes that Kenny Snow was accused of. Now as far as the investigation goes, the police reports say that they checked out several suspects with similar MOs, that at one point Bill Cole had identified someone in a mugshot book, but that person ended up being deceased, and then finally they got a Crime Stoppers tip. Someone called in and said that Kenny Snow had committed the crime and gave the police all the information about him where he had been, where he was staying, which room number he was in at his hotel, all of that. Then, again, according to the police report, Tyler P.D. and the Smith County Sheriff's Department, who were working together at this point, took a mugshot book containing a picture of Kenny Snow up to see Bill Cole at Bill's used tire. Bill identified Kenny Snow from the mugshot book. They then went to see Juan Martinez at Ricky Dealer's used cars, and Juan also identified Kenny Snow in the mugshot book. Just for a point of reference, the photo of Kenny in the mugshot book was from 1992, so it was about five years old. Once Kenny was picked up, the Tyler police detective, whose name is Bobby Van Ness, and the Smith County Sheriff's detective's name was Jason Waller. It's another name you may hear again. So Van Ness and Waller interrogate Kenny Snow, and he denies everything. Throughout the course of his interrogation, Kenny admits that he was back on drugs. Apparently he had been on drugs back in the 80s when he passed those three bad checks. But Kenny denied any involvement in the robberies. Kenny's story then, and still his story now, was that he did go looking for a tire on that day. And around noon, he went to what he believes was Bill Cole's tire shop. And when he pulled in, his radio was playing really loudly. And the owner of the shop, who he believed to be Bill Cole, as he put it, got up in his face and yelled at him about his loud music. Kenny says that he pushed the guy off of him, went and got back into the car, and drove away. Then he went to another used tire shop and bought a used tire for $18. Throughout the course of the interrogation, Kenny denies any involvement in the robbery consistently throughout. The police files say that they were done interrogating him and they were getting ready to take him back to the jail. And he was outside smoking a cigarette and decided to come clean. He told them that he was willing to go back in and record another interview, which he did, and where he confessed to just the robbery at Bill Coles used tire. That one was considered a simple robbery, not aggravated, but still denied any involvement in the Ricky Dealer used car robbery. During the course of his confession, Kenny worked up a story about how he thought the Ricky Dealer used car robbery occurred. And I'm not going to get into that with you guys this week because it's just going to muddy the waters and get too confusing. So next week's episode, I'm going to explain to you what Kenny said in his confession. And I'm going to play to you the interrogation video of a second subject. But we'll get into that next week. So getting back to this line of events, Kenny confesses and he gets put into the Smith County Jail. He sits in the Smith County Jail for nearly two years. He says that he was visited by the assistant district attorney, David Dobbs. Now, David Dobbs is a major player in this story, but it's important for you to know that David Dobbs was not prosecuting Kenny Snow's case. Dobbs was prosecuting a man named Edward Aites. Aites had been charged with the murder of a woman named Elnora Griffin. This was in the city of Tyler, and about four years before this, she had been raped and her throat slit. Aites was picked up for this robbery. He had been tried once, but it was a hung jury. And since that time, he had been released on bond. But he had violated his bond in Dallas, Texas, and was coming back to Smith County while he was awaiting trial. Kenny says that David Dobbs and Murphy told him that if he could obtain a confession or get any information about AIDS that would help convict him, that they would let him off on his charge with just probation. And they told him if he didn't do it, then he would be facing a life sentence. Actually, 99 years, but basically life. Kenny says that they told him that they were going to put AIDS in his tank, is what they call it, and that he needed to befriend him and get information from him that would help convict him. Now, Kenny's involvement with AITS gets really confusing, so that, again, that's another thing we'll cover in another episode. The basics that you need to know for this episode is just that Kenny Snow did testify against AITS at his second trial, and AITS was convicted, and he's currently serving 99 years in the Texas Department of Corrections. After H was convicted, Kenny Snow was indeed let off with probation. He actually got what's called deferred adjudication probation. It's like a clean slate. They left his charges open and gave him 10 years of probation. And the deal was that if he fulfilled the 10 years of probation without violating, that the charge would be wiped off his record. But if he violated his probation, they could bring his case to final adjudication and sentence him to whatever they want within the law. Two other characters that you need to be aware of, are Johnny Johnson and Joe Costello. Joe Costello had been Kenny Snow's boxing manager for years. Shortly before all this occurred, Kenny Snow knocked out Revea Springs, the number two contender in the world, and was on track to fight Roy Jones Jr. for the title fight. He was finally making some real money and had a real chance at fame. Kenny and Joe had always had a rough relationship, and Kenny had refused to sign a contract with Joe moving forward. Instead, he signed a contract with another trainer and manager out of Dallas. Joe is a very well-connected guy, and he's not described well by anyone so far that I've found in Tyler. Kenny believes Joe Costello was behind this whole thing. Johnny Johnson comes into the picture actually before Murphy and Dobbs ever do. Remember that Kenny was on parole for those felony charges from back in 1992, so he had a parole officer. Shortly after he got locked up in the Smith County Jail, his parole officer retired. His new parole officer was this guy, Johnny Johnson. Johnson was the first to visit him in jail and told him that he could work it out so that he could still continue to fight professionally. But Kenny says that that promise came with some conditions. He was told that he would have to make Johnny Johnson his promotional manager after he got out and that in order to get out, he would have to help out David Dobbs and help get the conviction on Edward Aides. Once Kenny had been out, he was boxing for a few more years. And remember, he became what I referred to as an opponent a few episodes back meaning he wasn't on his way up anymore, and he was being paid to lose fights. In his last fight, Kenny Snow knocked somebody out that he wasn't supposed to. That was the end of his professional boxing career. And the long story short is that he eventually left the state of Texas and moved back home to Ohio to be with his family. This was a violation of his probation. He was caught, extradited back to Texas, and Jack Skeen brought his case to final adjudication, and he was sentenced to 40 years in prison. That was in May of 2004. So, Kenny still has about 28 years left on that sentence. Now, on the other side of the coin, you have the state's version of how this thing went down. At Edward Ait's trial, where Kenny Snow testified, David Dobbs claimed that Kenny Snow contacted him and told him he had information about Ait's and he thought he could help. Dobbs says that he never promised Kenny a deal and that he wasn't given a deal, that Kenny did that on his own free will, and, of course, that led to Ait's conviction. Now, just to make all of that clear, I'm going to just give you the facts and not any opinions on this. In 1992, Kenny Snow was convicted of forgery by passing for passing three checks worth $130. He had also stolen a portable generator. For those crimes, he was sentenced to 10 years in prison. There were felony offenses. He served about three and a half years and was currently on felony parole when these crimes occurred. He pled guilty to both of these crimes, and his sentence was 10 years deferred adjudication probation. No prison. And David Dobbs maintains that Kenny Snow was not given a deal. So I'll let you decide on that for yourself for now. Now there's a whole lot more detail and a lot more angles in this story. And I'm going to start covering them point by point in each episode. But on this episode, I want to keep the topic limited to the reason I made a trip to Tyler, Texas this week. I'm currently recording in a hotel just outside of the DFW airport. I got a lot done while I was in Tyler this week, but I made the trip for one sole purpose. And that was to meet with Bill Cole, the victim in the first robbery. I met Bill the first time I came to Tyler, and we had an interview, but the recording didn't come out very well. During the interview, Bill had said something that at the time didn't really stick out to me. But through further investigation of the case, I realized that this was a huge deal. And this could actually be the one thing that shuts the Smith County justice system down. So I called Bill back early last week to ask him about this. And while I was on the phone with him, I found out a few other disturbing things. For starters, in Bill's words, the entire police file is bullshit. I was reading off the document to him and asking him questions about the investigation. The first thing that I noticed, and I think I mentioned this on a previous episode, was that the description of the victim in the car seemed very odd to me in that report. The report says that Bill described the assailant as being five foot 180 pounds. That's very specific. I've read a lot of these reports and I've never seen one that specific. Especially from a guy who had been sprayed in the face with mace and knocked down over some tires. It just seemed really odd that he had that clear of a recollection of the size of the person that attacked him. So when I asked Bill about that, he said, no way. As a matter of fact, his exact words, and pardon my French, he said, how the fuck would I know how much he weighs? He said, I told him the guy was about my height, a light-skinned black man about my height. I have no idea how much he weighed, and I wouldn't have thought that he was shorter than me. Bill's just over six foot tall. And you remember a few episodes back where there was the big reveal, and remember that Bill was really taken aback when I told him that Kenny Snow has a big gold tooth in the front of his mouth. He told me that he's sure that the guy that robbed him did not have a gold tooth. And furthermore, it caught my attention that he consistently says, even to this day, that it was a very light-skinned black guy. And now that I've seen clear images of Kenny Snow after watching his interrogation videos, I would definitely personally not describe Kenny Snow as light-skinned. He's not overly dark-complected, Kenny described himself to me as brown-skinned, and that seems about right. But in any case, Bill Cole says that what's written in that police report is not what he said. And then I asked him about the wine-colored car. And Bill asked me what the hell wine-colored means. He said that he would never use that term, and he doesn't even know what color that would be. And as I was talking to him on the phone, he closed his eyes and was trying to picture the car, and he told me that he was pretty sure that the car was actually two-toned. He said he thought it was white on the top and red on the bottom. Now, obviously, this is very concerning information because the typed-up supplemental reports that I have from the police department state specifically what Bill Cole said to them, and Bill Cole is telling me that he didn't say any of those things. As I continue to go through the investigation with him, I asked him about the first time that he identified someone from the mugshot book, and Bill didn't know what I was talking about. He said that he only ever looked at mugshots one time. He said that it was a couple of days after the robbery occurred, they brought in the mugshot book, He identified Kenny Snow, and that's the last he ever heard from the police. He never even knew what happened. But the police report clearly says that he had identified mugshots twice. The first time he identified somebody, he couldn't be sure, but he said he thought it might have been that person. Turned out it wasn't that person. They went back to him with the mugshot book with Kenny Snow in it, and that's when he identified Kenny. Bill was adamant on the phone to me that he only ever looked at those mugshot books one time. As I dug deeper through the court files that I had, I found two forms that are filled out when someone identifies someone in a mugshot book. On these forms, you initial the box that you chose, and then you sign at the bottom. One of them was initialed BC and signed Bill Cole at the bottom, and the other one was initialed WFC and signed William F. Cole Jr. at the bottom. This was a huge problem. That means that either Bill Cole's memory is off, which seems odd because he has very vivid memories of most of what occurred or that one of those signatures were forged. Bill and I talk about this in the interview that you're about to hear. But the most important thing here is even more disturbing than what I've already told you. So you remember that Bill has told me on a number of occasions that he didn't know what happened to Kenny Snow after he, the police left, after he identified him in the mugshot book. He said this over and over again. He's told me that he got a few small, like $50 restitution checks in the mail, and that's it. While well, as I was reading through Kenny Snow's old letters... On one occasion, Kenny had mentioned that if he supposedly robbed Bill Cole, then why wasn't he pissed that he only got probation? And he mentioned in the letters that Bill Cole spoke at his sentencing hearing, and he wasn't mad. He said he was indifferent to what was going on. What he's describing is a victim statement at a sentencing. If you're a victim in a crime, you're given the opportunity to speak before the judge before sentence is passed down. Without telling Kenny what was going on, I asked him about it, and he said that Juan Martinez never showed up to court. He said he's never seen that guy, doesn't even know what he looks like. But he said Bill Cole was at his sentencing hearing and that he gave a brief statement and he seemed really indifferent about the whole thing. I asked Kenny to describe Bill Cole to me. He said that he was a shorter guy, he'd said probably around five foot eight. he had brown or black hair, and he wore glasses. In 1997, Bill Cole was just over 6' foot tall, had a full head of white-gray hair, Kenny actually cried on the phone when I told him this. He just kept saying over and over again, you mean he messed me over like that? I know they messed me over, but they messed me over like that? He just kept saying it over and over through tears. He couldn't believe what had happened. I can't believe what had happened. And if I haven't made it clear enough, what it appears happened is that someone else, not Bill Cole, showed up to that sentencing hearing and gave a statement. And Kenny believes And I have to admit, at this point, I believe that was the man that Kenny had had the altercation with at a different tire store that day. What I notice when watching the interrogation videos, Kenny's intelligence level is not all that high. And he's definitely not very good with directions. He gets really confused really easily when trying to explain where things are. And in those interrogations, they never specifically tell him which tire shop it is. They just told him the used tire shop up on Gentry. The problem is that back then, there were used tire shops all over the place up and down Gentry. And in fact, there still are today. When my assistant Mike and I were driving into town Wednesday morning, we counted four used tire shops between Swan and Tyler. And from what I'm told by the locals, there were a lot more back then. So somehow, someone got the guy that Kenny had had that brief altercation with to get up on that stand and say that they were Bill Cole. Now this seemed completely insane to me. Like this couldn't happen. And why would this happen? But it was something that had to be investigated. So Bill Cole doesn't do email. He doesn't do texting. The best way for me to get this information from him was to get on a plane and come down here to Tyler. So before I left, I ordered the transcripts from Kenny's sentencing hearing, Then I got on a plane to meet Bill Cole. After a quick break here to hear from our sponsor, for the first time, you'll hear from Bill. Wait, I'm going to ask you to do something strange first. Can you do me a favor and sign your name on that piece of paper? Is that how you normally sign it? Do you, sign, do you ever sign a bill call? Yeah. Well, when looks, you
1: said that that uh, they said that I, would, uh, I wasn't.
0: Right, and, and you're 100% positive you were never I in never. that courtroom.
1: Now, that's the thing you don't forget.
0: I wouldn't think so. But, <laughs> um, I can
1: even remember most of the parking
0: tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I got one today. Did His, his fault. Yeah, Didn't did. feed the meter while we were in the courtroom. Well, i <laughs> tell you
1: what, though. I got a... Uh, I was when I was still doing construction. I pulled out of the lumber yard over on the other side of town, and I came to a stop sign, and there was a cop, cop parked right here. huh. And I mean, I looked, and I went ahead and turned. And after I passed, after I pulled over. And uh, what did I do? And I showed remarkable restraint because he was he was hair lipped He, you ran that stop sign. <laughs> And I started should have said, No, I didn't <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> So I showed remarkable restraint. But anyway, I said, No, I said I'll i admit I didn't homestead the some of it, but I stopped and turned, right, you know. Yeah. I didn't like say one Mississippi, two Mississippi. None other. I just stopped and turned, you know. Right. And uh, yeah, you were in it. So anyway, they took me to the city uh, I went up before the city judge. Don't know something dead now that I'm sorry Zach was getting uh what was his name? Phillips. But anyway, uh, he found me guilty, to find me a hundred hundred some dollars, I think it was and I said, I will to appeal it to county. Fuck this shit, I'll take a jury trial.
0: For rolling through a stop
1: sign you had to go through all that? No, I would. Yeah. But I know I didn't do it. Right. So anyway Hell, he rocked on there and it, I don't know, months and then finally came up.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So I went down there and uh, okay, got before the judge and uh, he said, How do you please this, DWI? I said, DWI. I said, They said I ran a stop sign. And I said, oh, But I didn't. And he said, What? And he called his clerk over and said, Look through those papers. And she said, Oh, yeah, they, she said, uh, Run the stop sign. He said, Oh, shit, dismissed. <laughs> So, but I'll tell you
0: what, man, the, numbers, the course I got no use for. Well, that may be more so. The first thing, so now that I'm looking at your signatures, I'm wondering, I want you to look. So, the first thing in the police report when I was talking to you said, it says that two days after the robbery, that they came out and they showed you mug shots, and that you had identified somebody and said, you weren't sure if it was him, but you think it might be this guy. And now then, I say,
1: that's a goddamn lie. They had those things lined up from there, and I'm, I'm looking to it. And when I got, I said, that's a cocksucker right there. That's my very word.
0: Yeah.
1: I said, that's a cocksucker right there.
0: And that's actually even, I don't know, it didn't say cocksucker, but it said that you were very adamant that that was him, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um. But so. Well,
1: but I'll tell but what you the, what
0: I said. And how many times did you see mugshots? One time. Just the one time. That's it. And you're sure about that? Because that's. This is the big thing in the police file. So, they say that on... So, it happened on the 21st of the month. Yeah, I don't even remember yeah. shit. I've,
1: I've slept since then. Yeah.
0: <laughs> they say on the 23rd, which is just... It was two days later, that they showed you...
1: I, I don't mug, know. It was a day or two.
0: Yeah. They showed you a mugshot lineup, which was... Th- this, which... I you obviously you can't see the pictures, but this is a form where they had you... They gave you a sheet that looked like that, and obviously you can't yeah, see it. Yeah, something
1: like that. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, he was like either here or here.
0: Yeah. Well, this was probably this one. Now, this one, they're saying that you initialed this guy Tim, And in the police reports, and that's why I was asking you to sign it, because most of all your documents are signed Bill Cole. But in this one, it's signed William F. Cole. And it look, for to me, it looks...
1: That looks like my signature.
0: Yeah, it looks, it, it, but I noticed like in well, the I mean, sea, it's changed
1: like, a little bit over the years.
0: Yeah, there's starts and well, stops. No, that's on
1: my, it. that's my initial. I'd almost swear to that unless somebody forged it. So that's it, my signature.
0: That's what it looks like. It is. Yep. And then, so this was like just a couple of days afterwards, a week after that. No, it couldn't
1: have been over. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm thinking it was the next day, but maybe it was two days
0: later. But pretty close to there. Yeah.
1: It was only, you know, a day or two.
0: A week after that, they say in the report they came back and showed you another book of mugshots that had a bunch of pictures on the page that you identified whoever was in that slot with that, that signature.
1: That looks like it.
0: Yeah. I mean, th- these two signatures look like.
1: Yeah. They look like one signature.
0: What you have on there. What caught my attention with this one was it just kind of the way the. The way that the C's written, it almost looks deliberately drawn, that loop, where most of yours are, have this kind of curl to them, and, and even in all these old documents. Yeah. Like if someone was trying to... But I mean, trying it, to it, do it, yeah. But I mean, it's got that yeah. same loop in the W. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, it, it,
0: if it's... A, if it's fake, they did a well, pretty good job. Well, i tell
1: job. you what, my, my son, well, he's dead now, but I've talked so he uh, he he surprised me. He could sign my name.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so...
1: That looks like my signature. So, But I tell you what, I, I don't remember them showing me but those three sets of pictures.
0: Right. If so like
1: you, I said, hell, that's 30 years ago. Yeah, it was about 20
0: years ago, yeah. yeah. Well,
1: when was it? 97. Yeah.
0: 97, yeah. okay. Yeah, so 19 years ago. So do you think there's a possibility that you saw two sets of mugshots? Or, that looks
1: like my signature, but I don't remember ever. See, I don't ever remember seeing those shots, but one time.
0: One time, you identified the guy, and that was it.
1: Said, that's your "Dr. Cockroger, right there." Yeah,
0: and their their reports say that you had identified somebody, but they're saying this time you identified this guy, and it's it it said something along the lines of that you know I think it was him. I'm not sure. They chased this guy down and then found out that uh, the guy, I think the guy was dead. And then it was, it was on the, what's the date here? 28. So about a week later, they came back and showed you. And, and this book would have looked, so this, these are supposed to look like what the pages look like. So we would have a book with, each page would have had a whole bunch yeah, of this. Yeah, it looked something like
1: this right here. More like that. Yeah.
0: Not like this.
1: No, as I remember it. But I was thinking it had three pictures on each one. Maybe it was just two, but I think there were three pages.
0: Yeah, and each page was bigger pictures. Like, see, because yeah, what it like, was yeah, was like that. what it was was the first time it was Smith County that came and they brought their Smith County mugshot book. That's this. That's where this guy was picked out. And then the second time they came back with a Tyler Poli- Tyler PD guy, uh, a guy named Detective Bobby Van Ness. He brought the Tyler PD book, which looks like this. There's smaller pictures, yeah. and there's fifteen on a page instead of six. And that's like I that's
1: said, hell, I, said, I, said, I all I, rem- I don't remember a, 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 a go to, mm-hmm. and I don't remember seeing that but, but one time, and, and I know damn well I, I wasn't at, at the trial.
0: Yeah, at the I hearing- know
1: damn well I wasn't at the trial.
0: Right. And that's, that was the, the bigger thing. So let me tell you how I got to that. You, the first time I talked to you and I was asking you about, you know, the fact that did you know that he only got probation for it?
1: I didn't.
0: You didn't know. All I
1: knew that, that was that, that they tried. I got, I think I got two checks or three checks for $50 or something like that for restitution yeah. later
0: on. Yeah, and they never gave you a, a notice to appear in court, anything like that. So this is the
1: just like when that asshole stole my truck, and uh, they said they tried him. I hell, I didn't even know they caught him.
0: Right. Yeah, and in this one, and so so you had told me that with this, you didn't know what happened after it. It was done. Well, then I caught in one of the letters that Kenny had written me from prison. He had said something along the lines of. You know, how the hell was I supposed to rob this guy when he was there at the sentencing hearing? He didn't even look pissed like they they gave me they didn't they gave him probation. And he's like, the guy wasn't even pissed. And I didn't think much of it then until you said, wait a minute, you didn't know what what happened. And so I started checking further and I was at the courthouse today checking and Bill Cole was there. Well, then, remember, I told you that Kenny had said that he had an altercation yeah. With somebody about that time on about that day. Yeah. You know, that that had happened. And, and you
1: said the guy was uh what, five foot eight, dark hair? You know, I was I was as gray as anything then.
0: Yeah. Well this is even before then. So he so he's Kenny had told me that he had an altercation with somebody at he thought your tire shop over a loud stereo and he left. And then I called you and you're like, No, that didn't happen. So then I'm like nothing was making sense to me. And then I caught in the police file, was it?
1: Oh, what's that car in there?
0: That is Her? Kenny's car. That's what he drove. Well, now, so it 90, was... 1990 Honda Accord, maroon-colored.
1: No, don't think so. What she was in was a smaller car than this. And if I'm not mistaken, it was 2 tone.
0: Yeah, what what color did you say it was?
1: Shit, I can't remember now, but I'm almost positive it was 2 tone.
0: Yeah, I think you would said it was, like, white and red.
1: Oh, hell, it's been so damn long. But it, it was down there in front of the shop fixing to pull in traffic. Uh-huh. And the reason I didn't shoot, any other time there wouldn't have been any traffic. Right. But this time they were waiting to pull in traffic and it was going on the side and shit, I can't shoot. Right. But I guarantee to you, I'd unload it on their ass.
0: Yeah. And when you think back of that, I mean, are you are you pretty confident that the that car? It, that wasn't the car. And that's, that's the exact car that he drove.
1: That is not the damn car.
0: So that caught my attention that it wasn't, remember I told you in the police report, it said that you described to them that it was wine-colored and that it had a squared-off back end.
1: Well, it did have a squared-off back end, but I'm pretty sure that I'm almost positive that wasn't, this ain't it here.
0: And you you, you told me on the phone that you would never describe it as wine-colored.
1: Oh, no, 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 no.
0: So, getting back to what I was talking about, so then we, I start looking through the files. I'm trying to figure out what in the fuck happened. Like how like how does any of this make sense? And then I catch in here that they had went through those mug shots with you, and then it says here they now this is the Smith County deputy and the Tyler Police detective working together now, and it says they stopped by two other used tire shops located on Gentry and talked with personnel at those stores. And that's what got me to thinking because I noticed when I drove down, there's used tire shops all over the place on Gentry going towards town. There was a few, They yeah, were here, yeah. and, here and there along yeah. the way. Did you know the guys that owned those other used tire shops?
1: I knew some of them.
0: Did any of them fit the description that I kind of told you that Kenny said? Kind of shorter, dark hair, glasses?
1: Well, let's see. Norman, uh, he was probably 10 years older than I was. And he was shorter and and glasses, but uh, he was gray headed too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Shit, I hadn't thought about him in years.
0: Well, so as I'm I'm going through this, I look, okay, there's these they stopped at two other shops and I'm starting to kind of piece this together. And that's when I called you back from you. Sure. You were never in court. And you just told me absolutely not. I never went to court. I talked to Kenny again. Are you positive? He was in court. And he's like, yeah, and he said, i never, forget. and he said the same shit you said. He said, I'll never forget that son of a bitch. Cause he sat on that stand. So Kenny, this whole time thought that guy was bill Cole. That was the guy that he had the altercation with that, that, yeah. That, that he, you know, shoved and got away, and he thought that guy made up the whole robbery. That's what he's been telling me this whole time.
1: Yeah.
0: And when I t- <laughs> when I told him that that guy wasn't Bill Cole, it wasn't you. You weren't in court. I mean, he was bawling on the on the phone. He couldn't even he couldn't even figure out how someone would do that or how that would happen. And so what I'm and I don't know this.
1: Like I said, that bunch down there, they could lay on a corkscrew comfortably.
0: <laughs> yeah it, it's it's i i don't know exactly what happened it doesn't make sense but it one one thing that i've been able to prove for sure is there was someone in that courtroom that gave and it was a witness statement it was like during the sentencing you know they stand up yeah. and say you know i'm bill cole and he did this this and this to me and, and they say anything else you want to say no that's all i have to say okay they sentenced him and said you've got Deferred adjudication probation. And I said, Kenny's reaction that whole time. What he had been writing to me all these months was, why would not he pissed? And I told him, I said, he's still pissed now. Shit. Like, I don't know why. And he's, he's like, the guy was just like, okay. And left. And, and I don't have to figure out how, why they would do it or, but see, there's, there's a lot more backstory to how he landed well, in there. Well,
1: I'll tell you what, there's not a lot of people down there that you want to shouldn't win. And left some off. It should have been let out.
0: It says that you describe him as, do you, like, can you, I know it's a long time ago. I mean, close your eyes and think back. Can you you think back to, like, what the guy looked like when it happened? Can you remember at all, like, what he was wearing? Does does any of that ring come back to you? I think he had
1: just had a T-shirt on, and I'm not sure what kind of pants. I mean, when you're showing somebody something in wham, you've got an eye full of of, uh,
0: mace, yeah. Or pepper spray or whatever. Yeah, that.
1: it kind of disorients you.
0: Uh huh. Do you remember? And, I,
1: and I'm stumbling and falling back across the tires. I had them, you know, stacked up there. Yeah. And, and he was on top of me right away, and went right, rocks right for my money in my pocket.
0: Yeah. And that do you remember? And he said,
1: "Don't move. Don't move." And took off out the front door, and I said, "Yeah, I ain't gonna move." And I went back there and reached for my gun where I used to have it. Uh huh. And said, "Shit, I forgot to put it out this morning." And so I ran back to the back of the shop where I had it hid, and got it, and then ran back out the store. But then they were they were just turning into the uh,
0: to the traffic out there. Yeah, and it's and that's this is also because your memory is is good. I mean, most of it, like the fact that you remember him saying, don't move, don't move. That's exactly what it says in this police report from 19 years ago. You yeah. told him, don't, said don't move, don't move. The fact that you fell over the tires, all that stuff. They pulled out the gun, all that. But then the color of the car is right. And those are the things that you can picture in your head. What Do you remember, was he wearing a baseball cap? I don't remember. Okay. I was, and I don't know, it says he was wearing a baseball cap. And I know the robbery from Tyler was a baseball cap. And see, the way these reports are generated is the cops write their notes on a pad of paper like this as they're doing yeah. the investigation. And then later on, they go back and they enter them in and type them yeah. in. And what I think happened was when they decided that they wanted it to be Kenny Snow, when they started typing them into yeah. this, they just made it. Well, look, uh, it doesn't surprise me, though, that,
1: uh, look, what I told you that his tomorrow,
0: Joe Costello.
1: Castello, yeah. Yep. And uh he wasn't exactly a paragon of virtue.
0: A <laughs> paragon of virtue? <laughs> <laughs> You're not the first person to tell me that. Uh, matter of fact, we tried to go track him down today. Turns out he's dead. Oh, is he? Yeah. Um At least that's what I've been told. The, the place where the gym was is a parking lot now. And uh No shit. Well, I, you know, I, I mean,
1: I pass out on no. it. It sits back off of the loop.
0: And it's on, I want to make sure I was at the right place, it's off of Goss Street, there's like a church across the street from it, it's kind of, you're going on the loop, and then you you turn right, and there's a church on the left, and it was like off on the right.
1: Shit, I'm trying to place it in my mind, I hadn't been over there in Saddam Hall, I've been in that general direction, but hell, I hadn't had any any reason to go back in
0: there. Look, if I can see where, if you look at the map, because I'm not familiar with the area, and uh... It was I gone can, and I, mean, I and I, I took I, I took the address I'm off. I am trying of.
1: to figure out let's see. There was a gym here and then there was another building that sat like this. There was office and some more things in it. And I did some I did some work on the roof on the main gym and then I it seemed like I put a door or two or some windows and some maybe some trim work in the uh, in the one in the office.
0: So does this look all right, so here's here's the loop. So it's on like the southwest corner of the loop. And then it was like on a little turn.
1: Yeah, back off here.
0: Yeah, you had like you turn on like Franklin Street and then yeah, back off yeah. and then turn right on Goss and then it was Yeah sitting tucked right back up in there. And there was like a, so that was yeah. the place. Yeah, parking lot now. I don't know what it became. <laughs> I am mean, not even a parking lot. It looks like it was recently demolished. I mean, yeah mean there's just a pile of rubble there
1: down getting ready to build.
0: yeah 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 and, and that property now is owned by the church that's across the street oh, it, yeah they own the because i ran to the the pastor over there yeah. and asked him and yeah. he didn't even remember being a gym i don't know how long he's owned the church but he's like that's our property now we just mowed it you know just just recently um but yeah so that that guy his his manager turns out is the one well and we don't know i don't know this for sure but it, it Appears to be he's the one that called Crime Stoppers and said it was him, and and so Kenny had just won this big fight, knocked out the number two contender in the world, and was slated to fight Roy Jones Jr. Refused to sign another contract with Johnny or with uh, Joe Costello. Joe was pissed, he fired him, and he went to go train with some guy in Dallas. And then a few shit, days later, all this shit happened.
1: Or is he still in the pen?
0: Yeah, he still got another twenty years left.
1: What did they get him
0: for this time? This charge. So what happened was he got, they gave him, his deal was if he would testify against this other guy, at AIDS, it was a, a murder case. If he would testify against this guy and they got a conviction that they'd give him probation and let him keep boxing. So he did. Lied. It yeah. says now he says I lied. He he said he'll testify for him all he wants. That Dave Dobbs made him lie, yeah, in order to get out because he, as he says, you know his exact words for me it was a it was a it was a messed up thing to do and I feel terrible for it. But for me that was my they were going to send keep me in there for the rest of my life for something I didn't do. And he said at least maybe this guy actually did this other one. But anyway, it's still a messed up thing to do. But so he did that. He got convicted. They let him out on probation. He gets out on, and when they gave him, it's called deferred adjudication. So basically, your sentence is still open. You're yeah,
1: until, until you uh, if it, if you get probation, you got to live up, live through the probation. Exactly. And once it's terminated, then you're you're clear. Yeah, it's like a clean but if slate. if you fuck up any time in between, well, they can give you the full load.
0: Right, and that's what they did to him. So he was uh, five years into it, into the ten. And he was boxing. They had him traveling all over the state. His 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 other, his promotional manager yeah. was his parole officer. And they had him going all over the country boxing when he wasn't supposed to leave the state. And he was losing, losing a lot. And then they started having him, his job was to go get paid to lose. Ended his career with, it, it's a kind of a funny story, this guy that was on the up and coming and he's yeah. trying to get a few wins under his belt. So they paid him to go in and
1: take a dive,
0: take a dive which he'd been doing. And uh, in Kenny's word, I had enough and I knocked that fool out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know that made some people unhappy.
0: Mm-hmm. Including Mr. Costello. And so he, that kind of put an end to his boxing career. That
1: couldn't, that something like that couldn't happen to a Nazi guy. Who, Joe?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So that kind of put an end to his boxing career. So he came back here and was trying to get his, because he's from Ohio. He was asking his parole officer if he could move back to be with his family. His mom was sick, wanted to move back to Ohio with his parents. And she said no. And (laughs) he he says he told her, well, don't tell anybody I asked you, because if Joe finds out, well. I'm gone. Joe found out and he got picked up several times for he was he said the cops would like would come pick him up, drag him in, and tell him they're gonna give him a resisting arrest charge, and Joe would come walking in and get him out. So there's nothing on his right. I can see where he was picked up, but there's no charges. Like six times. Yeah. They were just harassing him. And so finally he just said, Screw it, packed up his shit and left and went to Ohio. They tracked we're him down, him. tracked him down Ohio, extradited him back. Now if it had been a normal probation, he got ten years. He got through five and fucked up. He spends the last five in prison. But since it was deferred adjudication, they said, "Okay, now we're going to you're convicted, guilty, and we're giving you forty years in prison for it." So he's uh, he's twelve years now into forty. Now,
1: let's see. Uh, I think you have to do. I think. You ha- uh, I think you have to do half.
0: Yeah, he'll have his in. Eight years from now, he'll have his first chance yeah. for. Uh, but you
1: see, I now when I went, I I pled guilty three uh, years. You know, I told you about the right. the guy. You know, meeting the guy on my jury, and he said they were going to turn me loose. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so I I pled guilty for three, and I ain't got three years. So it took me eighteen months or seventeen days to to bail. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. To get your half.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, when they put me in the hole that time. I said, I scared the shit out of me. I thought, man, I'm going to lose my good time here. But uh, my cousin came down to see me, which was unusual. If you were in the hole, you didn't get to see anybody. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And they let me out. And my cousin told me, he said, that guy told me, he said, Hell, he, he could have admitted that he
0: didn't.
1: You know, that wasn't your shit. Yeah. I said, yeah, but you know, if, if they can't find it, somebody's going to pay you.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and... This is was that case in Smith County? Your case with your wife? Yeah, that yeah. was. So this this is what one thing that actually the, the the kid that was with me last time. Yeah, first thing he thought of when we were leaving here, drove away, he said, "You know, this is the definition of Smith County justice to me." <laughs> Bill Cole, you know, you, you had a bad, you, you shot your wife, you got sentenced to for attempted murder, sentenced to three years, did yeah. seventeen months. In the eighties, Kenny Snow passed $130 in bad checks and got sentenced to 10 years in prison and served three and a half of it.
1: Well, see, there's never been any justice in the courts. Yeah. You know, it's like I said, you know, one of my favorite, one of the things that I like best, famous quotes, is by Louis Brandeis. You know, he was a famous Supreme Court uh, justice. Uh And uh, his quote quote was... uh, For people to respect the law, you first have to make the law respectable.
0: Right. I I I just heard that quote today. Somebody posted that somewhere. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You told me. Yeah, Yeah, on the phone. Yeah. And it's true. Yeah. I mean,
1: if 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 you well, you you can tell I got no use for the law. Yeah. Because when you take the very instrument of in society that's supposed to protect you. And use it as a cudgel to beat your ass into submission. Something wrong. wrong? Yeah.
0: In this case, it was you know in, in those two cases. Not that I don't think anything worse should happen happened to you, but white guy in Smith County shoots his wife, attempted murder, three years. Black guy in Smith County has one hundred thirty bucks worth of bad checks, ten years in the pen. Well, but here's the
1: thing about it. I'm pretty sure that uh, he he's had some more shit.
0: Those were that was his first offense. That was. Now, now the second time because he had those on his record when it was you. Yeah, that was his his first offense on his record was yeah. forgery by passing. Yep, ten years in the pen. But that's what I've heard from everybody around here. It all depends on who you are, what side of the tracks you come from, what color you are. That's that's how they decide what they're going to do with you. And
1: sometimes it's just the luck of the fucking draw.
0: Yeah, they just just they got to get a clearance. They got to close <laughs> the case, and there in, in Kenny's case, I think. You know, and I'm not here saying Kenny Snow is a great guy. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I only know what I can read. And it looks like he's not that great of a guy. But it also looks like he didn't fucking rob anybody and got put into this situation. for. And so, Well,
1: that wouldn't surprise me. You know, like I said, uh, that bunch down there, uh, they could lay on a corkscrew with comfort.
0: Mm-hmm. So where I want to go with this is... Cause be, honestly, the, the target in all of this yeah. wasn't Kenny Snow. The target in all of this was Edward Ace, the guy. And I just, I spent all day in the courthouse today reading through his file. He was the one that was charged with murder, convicted. He's serving yeah. a 99 year sentence now.
1: The one that, uh, he, uh Kenny snitched
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and he had said it,
1: that he admitted probably confessed to him or some shit like that. that yeah. They usually were.
0: Yeah. Or he said, uh, that he had tried to get him to say he heard somebody else confess and like wrote something for him and he it's it's still kind of a confusing mess but he he got the conviction because his first trial hung jury and like and it's neat in those files it goes through the the notes the jurors are passing back and forth to the judge for like three days they're deliberating and they're like there's six of us that think he's guilty and six that think he's not guilty. We're not changing. Can we get more information on this, more on this? Well, now it's well, seven not guilty. Did, did the
1: guy really do it? you think he killed
0: the guy? It was, a, it was a, a woman was raped and her throat was slit. And I don't, after reading the file, I don't think there's any chance in hell he killed her. There was yeah. zero evidence. What they did do is there was blood and semen on the bed where she was raped. Yeah. And they, they never did a DNA test, they did a... Well, hell, a, they ought
1: to be able to do that today.
0: Guess what, they lost oh, it.
1: Oh, no shit, yeah, well, that's about right. Yeah,
0: but what they did do surprise, back surprise,
1: then... Surprise, surprise, surprise. Yeah,
0: <laughs> what they did do back then was they tested, They I don't remember the name, what was it? it was a blood-type analysis they did. Well, that's, that
1: yeah, the like yeah, that But like O-positive, B-positive. Yeah, and there. they could do
0: something with the semen also yeah, yeah. It, that way. And they determined that... The blood and semen that was on that bed did not belong to the victim, or to, to him. To him, then, and they say, and it was just, it strictly said, absolutely could not be either one. You know how he was, you know how they convicted him. You know how they arrested him. Some shit on his shoe. The woman, when she was killed, had defecated, which well, hell happened, happened something, yeah. yeah. And uh, so he and his brother had. Had, or some friend had come into this neighborhood. They, they knew they all knew each other. Yeah, small small area, and they saw the the ambulance was in there with her, and they went running up to the steps. And in the and in, and in, in the sheriff's department was arriving at the same time. They went running the steps, opened the door, started to step in to see what was going on. The cops them, nope, you can't go in there. You can't go in there. Get out of here. Well, then they called him in to interview him. And Bobby Van Ness, same cop yeah. that was working this case, says he was in his office and he saw that there was some shit on his shoe.
1: Yeah. And there right. was shit
0: on the floor in there. And they sent the they sent it for analysis and they said they determined it was human shit. But they didn't do a test to see if it yeah. was hers or who yeah. it was that there was human shit on his shoe. The next next day or two days later. And that's what they used to get their warrant to pick him up and no evidence. I mean, this was a hell of a struggle. I had to look at the crime scene photos today. It's terrible. I mean, they were, she put up a fight. She had a knife. This AIDS guy doesn't have a mark on him. Nothing wrong with him anywhere. You know, and they just ran him up. And that's why they couldn't get a conviction. But And then there was another suspect who all of her friends thought did it. Never looked at this guy. Never ran his samples against anything. And then the second time they brought him in, Kenny yeah. Snow testified and got him <clears gun. throat> So, well, when,
1: I'll tell you what, Smith County, there was a, well, you know, Bobby Mansell. Yeah. Football player? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, his granddaddy was a notorious, he was into all kinds of shit. Yeah. Gambling and everything else. And there was a guy that lived out around a store just out past where I live, and, um, Of course, I think they were all into gambling, chicken fighting, and all that. Anything against the law, I think they were in on it. Uh (laughs) And uh, anyway, the old man wound up dead, and uh, they all, everybody, it was considered, well, common knowledge that uh, the old Granddaddy Mansell had a hand in it, but uh, shit, nothing ever came of it. Because uh, he was pretty tight with the uh, right people downtown.
0: Yeah, that seems to be the way the way it goes. So what I'm doing, so you know what I'm trying to do. At yeah. this point, it, I'm not even just looking at Kenny's case. Yeah. I'm not even just looking at, at H's case. There's also Carrie Max Cook's case. His, he's got a hearing coming up for his, all these same people. As I'm trying to build a file and build a case yeah. to take to the Department of Justice.
1: Well, there's, you know, there's an outfit now. I know you know about it. It's, uh, what do they call it? Uh, Can you think of the name of it now? That they take look into all these old cases where there's been a the miscarriage, Projects. huh? The Innocence Project. Yeah, that's it. Yep. And uh, where there's been an obvious miscarriage of justice, and uh, go in and. And they they freed a bunch of people.
0: Yeah, and I'm working. with... I mean,
1: their record is damn good.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm working with them. I, I've talked to the last week the president, vice president, the executive director of the Innocence Project, and they want the case. They're taking it in. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that that I'll need from you at some point, and and for now, I think this recording's good. I'll have you at the end of the recording. Yeah. Uh, say make sure that it's clear that it's you. Is is just a statement that says, you know, in your opinion. This was not the car you remembered. You only saw mugshot once, and you for, and that you were not in the car whatever you're comfortable saying for wait facts. A minute,
1: wait, wait, anything. I just had a picture in my mind. I'm in a back. Of, I'm in a back of a courtroom, but hell, was it? I think it was a traffic violation. I'm trying to see it. Damn, that was a long time ago. But I know damn well, no, I didn't testify. Because I remember I was surprised when I got uh, got a check.
0: Because you didn't know what had happened? That you weren't there? Because you would have gotten, they would have sent you a packet that would have been, this is your victim's packet. And it would say, these are your rights. This is the court date. They're required by law to tell you this is the court well, date. Well, you
1: didn't find that, did you? Mm-hmm.
0: You can come, uh, well, it would have been sent to you, and you yeah. can come on this date, and you can make yeah. a statement. The-
1: so and so yeah,
0: you can come on the sentencing date and make a statement if you want to. It wasn't a trial. It was a, it was his sentence. It, literally, the, the judge says, giving him a statement, uh, a sentence of 10 years deferred adjudication. Mr. Cole, you were the victim. Is there anything you'd like to say before I pass the sentence? Because you could say, fuck him, give him more than that yeah. <laughs> or uh, not enough. Dan. No, no, I wasn't there.
1: It's just like, like I said, when the guy stole my truck, and hell, I found a damn truck.
0: Uh uh-huh.
1: Over in Shreveport. And even found out where the son of the bitch was at.
0: They never did anything with it? Shit, no. So. Of course,
1: see, the reason they stole it, he, they he took it over there and uh, they pulled the engine out of it and uh, put it in your buddy, buddy's truck. Mm-hmm. So there it was in the garage, and it was, you know, it was pretty old anyway. Right. And uh, it wasn't worth, you know, was hell. I hauled it home. I had to pay the storage fee. Right. Put a new motor shit, and I said, "Fuck it, just let it go."
0: With this, what I, if you're all right with what I would like to do with you is I'm just going to have you give a testimony of the best of your re- remembrance. Just walk through yeah. what you remember happening. Yeah. I'll have your first date. Your name is this. Your birthday is this. This is what you remember from the incident. And I'll ask you, did you did you appear in court? I didn't. Yeah, And. How many times were you shown mug shots? After I finished this conversation with Bill Cole, I made another clear recording with him. And this was in the form of a witness statement. This file is being put into the larger file of everything else that I've found that is being packaged up for the Department of Justice. I'm not ready to take the case to them yet, because there's so much more to deal with besides the possibly falsified police reports and the possibly forged mugshot documents and the imposter sent into the courtroom and what seems to be a clear-cut Brady violation against Edward Aides by compensating Kenny Snow for his testimony to get him convicted and the illegal destruction of Kenny Snow's DNA and the illegal destruction of Carrie Max Cook's DNA. After just a couple of months of looking into this case, I've uncovered a massive amount of corruption. And there's a lot more where that came from that I'm not ready to talk about on the podcast yet. And along those lines, a lot of people have asked me a lot of questions about this case and especially about the Anand Syed case. And I want to just let you know here that I'm not ignoring your questions. But this is chess, not checkers. There is strategy involved in everything that I'm doing. And as soon as I can report things to you, believe me, I will. But for right now, we have to stick to the facts at hand. And I need your help. A large portion of the information that I've been able to obtain has come from you, the listeners. You continue to help me track down witnesses, track down victims, research information, help with stuff for the website, and much, much more. Smith County may be able to stop me, but there's no way that they can stop all of us. I know that all these things seem crazy, and you're probably asking yourself right now, how could this happen? And the answer is simple. It's a clear matter of motive. You have a group of people that have worked together for too many years, and they had opportunity, and they had means, and they all had motive. Joe Costello needed Kenny Snow to keep boxing, and he needed to be his manager in order to make money. Johnny Johnson saw a meal ticket in Kenny Snow. David Dobbs needed his conviction against Edward Aates. By using Kenny Snow as a pawn in all of this, everyone got what they wanted. Everyone except for Kenny Snow and Edward Aites. But who cares about them, right? They're just a couple of poor black kids from the wrong side of the tracks. Well, finally now, 19 years later, someone does care about those two men and all of the others that have been affected by these types of situations in Smith County. And it's someone with the opportunity, means, and motive to finally do something about it. You to Johnny Rose of Slightly Subversive Music for creating all of the music for the show. And don't forget that you can now purchase the Truth and Justice soundtrack called Truth and Justice the Music on iTunes. If you'd like to check out a preview of the soundtrack, you can go to truthandjusticemusic.com. Please support Johnny Rose for all the work that he's done for the show by downloading a track or two or even the whole album. Thank you to Tate Krupa for designing and creating our logo. Thank you to today's sponsors, Entree3D and Stamps.com for providing all of the funding for this show, and I want to personally thank all of you for all of your support. So many of you are staying active through Twitter and Facebook. They're following me along on my trips on Periscope, helping me with research, helping me work on the website, just all of the work that all of you are doing. This truly is a crowdsourced investigation and a crowdsourced project. And I'm humbled, and I feel incredibly blessed to have all of you on my team. Please continue to stay in touch at theories at com. Send new cases into cases at com. Follow me on Twitter at truthjusticepod. Like the Facebook page, Truth and Justice with Bob Ruff. And remember, as I always tell you, please keep in touch. I love the interaction that I have with all of you. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been... Truth and Justice.